this year. But let's spend some time around the Word. If you joined us late, good morning. Lord, I pray that as we spend some time around your Word, I pray that your Word would pick us up. I pray that your Word would strengthen our hearts. We cannot live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of your mouth. Thank you for the life that comes through your Word and the power of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, Amen. Now, we'll get to a passage of Scripture in a few moments' time. But just want to recap for a moment on last Sunday. By the way, if you were not here last Sunday, I would really encourage you to pick up a copy of the message on CD uh, because I feel that it was a significant word for this point in time. Last Sunday, we spoke about having a godly attitude towards human government. And there were three specific aspects we looked at. The first one was, be a good citizen and have the right attitude. How are you doing on that one, sir, ma'am? Doing well? Number two, live responsibly as a citizen. And that included things like submission, doing good, serving, respecting all people, respecting the leader of our country. And uh, number three was pray for the authorities. And this was thoroughly based on the Word, based on Romans 13, on 1 Peter 2, on 1 Timothy 2. And, uh, and I really believe that, that that was an important message last Sunday. Now, to a certain extent, today's message kind of follows on from that, although it is different in itself. But the title this morning is The Critical Role of the Church. If you want to jot that down, you're most welcome to the critical role of the church. And there are four aspects that we want to look at this morning. Number one, jumping straight into it, the church plays a tremendously important role in the success or the failure of a nation. How many of you would agree with me on that one? Okay. Now, I would venture to say a lot of people would agree in their heads because good Bible knowledge and yeah, 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 say the right thing. But I wonder if you understand that in your heart. I wonder whether that is the conviction of your heart. And part of the message this morning will speak into the reality of this. The church plays a tremendously important role in the success or the failure of a nation. I want to say that I am really passionate about the church, all right? I'm passionate about the church of Jesus Christ. That's not just because I'm a pastor, all right? Even when I was a little lighty, I was passionate about the things of God, about the people of God. And from a young age, God began to put a fire in my heart concerning this. I'm passionate about the church. And I believe that the church is God's chosen and unique instrument to bring about the kingdom of God. I, uh, I remember Bill Hybels saying something. He's pastor of the Willow Creek Church in Chicago, one of the largest churches in America. And he said the following. He said, oftentimes at night while he drifts off to sleep, you may have heard me say this before, he says, I think to myself, 
There's nothing like the local church when the local church is working right. I want to say that there's nothing like, like the church of Jesus Christ. There's nothing like the body of Jesus Christ when we are working right, when we are healthy, when we are functioning effectively. There's nothing like the church. And Bill Harbaugh's used one particular example of a family that had a daughter that was really deformed and how their life group there, one of the life groups, really took this family in. And even although this family didn't, uh, had, had a real tough situation and was maybe rejected by many people, in the church they found acceptance. In the life group they found that they could bring their child and the life group got used to the way the child looked and just embraced the child and embraced them. And, and there's nothing like the body of Jesus Christ when we are operating in the life of God, in the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 3 verse 10 says the following. You don't have to turn there. It says, God wants to use the church to display His wisdom. Have you heard of that scripture in Ephesians 3.10? The Bible also says in another translation that God wants to reveal His manifold wisdom through the church. I can remember my dad often speaking about this, God revealing His power, His wisdom through the church. So, if we understand that correctly, God is not going to reveal His wisdom through social structures. He's not going to reveal His wisdom through government. He's not going to reveal His wisdom through business. God says, I will use the church to reveal my wisdom, to reveal the manifold wisdom. Now, in terms of the church, I'd like to say something about our role of influence and the fact that there is a progression in Scripture around us being the light of God and called to influence those around us. Now, it's an interesting little progression because firstly, Jesus says, He says the following, I am the light of the world. Then, also in Scripture, it says, Jesus says, He who follows me will have the light of life. And then He says, You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. And also in Scripture it says, Arise, shine, for your light has come. There's a progression here. Jesus came, He said, I am the light of the world. Then He said, Those who follow Me will receive the light of life. Then Jesus says, you are the light of the world because you followed me, because you've received the light of life. And then Scripture also says, Arise, shine, for your light has come. And the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. I'm of the opinion that some aspects of the church, some groups of the church, they're still waiting for something to happen. They're still waiting for something to fall out the sky. But God says, your light has come. I have made you to be a light. I've caused you to be an influence. When did your light come? When Jesus came. 
And when you allow Jesus to become a vibrant reality in your life, then you could say, my light has come. And now therefore I can arise. I can shine. I don't need to wait for something cataclysmic to happen. I don't need to wait for some cat to go flying across my windscreen or something and then I know God's spoken to me. No, God has already given you His light and He says it's time to shine for the light has come. I believe the Lord is saying to His church at this point in time, arise and shine for your light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. The song we were just playing a few moments ago What did it say? Arise. Let the church arise. Arise. Come alive. The church plays a tremendously important role in the success or failure of a nation. Number two now. As the church goes, so the nation goes. I'd like to give you the example of the United Kingdom, of the UK, of England. Now, Many years ago, let's say about 80 to 100 years ago, there was revival in the UK, in England. Do you agree with me? There was revival. Now, today, the church is not doing that well. The condition of the church, broadly speaking, yes, I know this is a generalization, But I think it's fair to say, statistics do show that the church is in decline in England. Michael Puffett was here the other day and preached, and he's from the UK, and he basically confirmed the same thing. But what does the nation look like? Also, in the nation of England, there is decline in terms of morality, in terms of righteousness, The the society is so messed up with social problems. It's a real, real state of affairs, a terrible state of affairs. But you know what? When the church was alive and well, the nation didn't look like that. I'm thinking of even the, the Great Britain area and the Welsh revival and how the pubs were closing down and swearing was stopping on the mines because of the revival that was taking place. As the nation, as the church goes, so the nation goes. Now, please take your Bible now and turn to Chronicles in the Old Testament. Please uh, take up your Bible. Second Chronicles, and we're looking at chapter 7. Second Chronicles chapter 7 and verse 14. Now, this is a scripture I'm sure that you are familiar with. And I'm very glad that Dries referred to it earlier in the service. But let's read it and let's allow the Lord to speak it into our hearts in a fresh way. Second Chronicles 7 and verse 14. It says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin 
and heal their land. I'm very glad this scripture is in the Bible. It's actually, I think, a lot more powerful than we realize. Now, there are two keys. Well, there's a key and there's a result in the scripture. The key is my people and what they need to do. The result is heal their land. That's, that's the verse put very simply. There is a key. My people. The, the my people is the church. The church is made up of individuals here. If these individuals here and these individuals across the face of the earth that make up my people will respond in a certain way, then God says, I will bring healing to the land. And the context of the scripture actually speaks very specifically into even the physical land when there's no rain, when there's drought, when there's pestilence, when there's all sorts of things. God will bring healing even to the very soil. Interesting, uh, a while back I saw a, a video, I wasn't planning to mention this, but about revival that began to take place in Fiji. Was it Fiji? Chris, you gave me that video. Yes. And people began to pray and seek God. And a revival began to take place across the nation of Fiji. And as a result, even the coral reefs in the nearby ocean began to come alive again. The, the land was healed to the extent that even it became more fruitful, began to yield a greater produce. I tell you what, when God's people get their act together, so to speak, awesome things. But there's a key, my people. There's a result, heal their land. And that's why we can say, as the church goes, so the nation goes. Now, this scripture about if my people, we, we often refer to this just before major events in the country. Have you ever noticed that? Gets to election times, boy, oh boy, here the scripture comes out again. Gets to some other big event, oh, the scripture comes out again. And that's wonderful. There's nothing wrong with that. And I believe it's, it's an excellent scripture to use. But I also believe that we need to continually keep the principles that are in here in focus. We can't just suddenly, now we're seeking God, and then for the next four and a half years, it's like we're just taking a vaca vacation. There's not much prayer going on. There's not much repenting going on, this kind of thing. And then it gets closer to election. Oh, now we've got to get earnest with God. No, there's four principles that need to continually be in focus. They are humility, prayer, seeking God, and rejecting sin. Those are the principles. There's only four. Four principles in this passage of Scripture. And that's what you and I need to do. As the church, this is what we need to do. We need to be humble. We need to be praying for our nation. We need to be seeking God, and we need to be rejecting sin. The future of this nation is in the hands of God's people. It's in the hands of the church. Point number three of four points. There is hope because of the righteous. Now, turn to Proverbs 14, would you? Psalms, Proverbs. 
Make sure the person next to you is turning there as well, please. Be my eyes and ears there. <laughs> Proverbs 14 and verse 34. It says here, Righteousness exalts a nation. Would you say that with me? Righteousness exalts a nation. Come on, a little bit louder. Righteousness exalts a nation. But sin is a reproach to any people. Now, go just a little bit before that to Proverbs 11 and verse 10 and 11. Proverbs 11, verse 10 and 11. It says there, listen to this. When it goes well with the righteous, the city rejoices. I said just now, as the church goes, so the nation goes. Now it says, when it goes well with the righteous, the city rejoices. But when the wicked perish, and when the wicked perish, there is shouting. Another translation says, shouts of joy. And verse 11, now look at this, it says, By the blessing of the upright, the city is exalted. As the, as the church goes, so the nation goes. By the blessing of the upright, the city is exalted. This means that Pretoria Tswane will be exalted because of the blessing of the Lord on the lives of believers in this city. Does anybody say amen? amen? That's what the word says. I want to say that again. It means that Pretoria Tswane will be exalted because of the blessing on God's people's lives that live here. Let me ask you a question. Are there many of God's people living in this city? There are many. And as a result of the blessing of the upright, the city will be exalted. I believe we can take that out of the city context. We can also take that into the nation's context. That South Africa will be exalted because of the blessing on the church. Now, is the church in South Africa blessed? Is it growing or is it shrinking? No, no, no. It's not even stagnant. It's growing. It's developing. The church in South Africa is alive and well. And because of the blessing of the upright, the nation will be exalted. This is why I have so much hope for South Africa. This is why you too should have so much hope for South Africa. Because of the righteous. We can give the Lord a hand for that. By the blessing of the righteous, the city is exalted. The nation is exalted. And so we have to really believe that it's as the church goes, so the nation goes. I ask you today, where is your hope? What have you placed your hope in? Is it in God and His kingdom? I encourage you, put your hope in God. The scripture says, some trust in horses, some will trust in chariots, but we will trust in the name of our God. Now, the last point, we want to look at point number four, and please turn to Esther uh, chapter four while we are, while I mention this point, just before Psalms is Job, just before Job is Esther. Esther chapter four, verse 13 to 14. 
Point number four is you are strategically placed by God to fulfill His purposes. And I'm encouraged that uh, Auntie Lucy gave me that, uh, that little piece of paper just now regarding Esther. Now, it says in Esther 4, verse 13 to 14, Then Mordecai told them to answer Esther, saying, Do not think in your heart that you will escape in the king's palace any more than all the other Jews, because they were wanting to destroy the Jewish nation. Verse 14, For if you remain completely silent at this time, Relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews from another place. But you and your father's house will perish. Yet, this is the important part, yet who knows whether you have come into the kingdom for such a time as this. That is the key verse of the book of Esther. Yet who knows whether you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Now Esther could have kept quiet. She could have chosen not to risk her life and go into the king. But you know what? Deliverance would have arisen from somewhere else because God will cause somebody in his church to rise up and do what needs to be done. If we say no, God will go on to the next person. He's looking for people that will be obedient. And so for Esther, what takes place here is God had strategically placed her she was just a, like a peasant girl, and she was raised up out of obscurity, eventually to have this place of honor where ultimately the king would honor her request and would save the people. Now, Acts 17, 26, you don't have to turn there, but I'll read it to you. It says this, From one man he made every nation of men that should inhabit the whole, the whole earth. And then it says this, And he determined the times set for them and the exact places where they should live. You see, God has strategically placed you here and now. Location and time is determined by God. That's what the Bible says, that He determined the exact time set for them and the exact places where they should live. Maybe you've been tempted to say, well, I want to get out of here. But God has placed you here very specifically, very intentionally, and He has a plan to use you, sir, man, right now, right where you are. Can you get a bit of a sense of destiny, about God placing you here for such a time as this. You know, my mom uh, recently moved, about a year ago, she moved into a lovely new retirement village in the city, and she uh, was in a townhouse before, and she moved into this village. But in any case, she went there, and she was thinking of just, you know, lovely environment and all of that. But then she realized, well, God's actually got her there on a mission. And this is a mission field. It's not just about kicking back, relaxing, and eating caviar. Not that she eats caviar. But it's a case of there's a mission field. And in this retirement village, there's a lot of needs. There's a lot of hurts. There's a lot of hopelessness. And it's a beautiful environment, but people's hearts, many of them, are broken. 
And my mom, quite a humorous one, my mom went to go uh, visit a particular lady that arrived there, and she was tremendously lonely, a lady that didn't seem to know the Lord. And my mom took somebody with her who also loves the Lord to go and, and pray for this lady. In any case, they went and they visited this lady. They prayed for her. They had a good time. And as they were leaving, my mom said to this lady who had joined her, said, what was the name of that lady that we just prayed for again? Can you? And then this lady said to my mom, my goodness, I can't even remember your name now. <laughs> and so my mom has been strategically placed there by God to witness to the no-name people there. And I want to say to you that, that you have been strategically placed by God. You might say, oh God, what am I doing in this retirement village? What am I doing stuck here? Lord, what am I doing stuck there? What am I doing in this particular job? And God says, I've strategically placed you there for such a time as this. You know, uh, somebody that I've been watching of late is Joel Osteen. And the Lord has really placed his hand upon Joel's life. But you know what? Last night, they had one of the biggest events they've ever had. Where Joel 